Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to bring your game at home up to the next level. Today we're going to be talking about the wide spectrum of difficulty challenges, uh, what level of difficulty to present for skill checks and other tasks that you may request your players to complete, and how you can implement or not implement those into your game for a little more variety. Here in the studio today, my name is Jerry, aka Frieden, host and moderator for your show today. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. I can't. I, did, did, my, my pizza will not come apart! That was a reference specifically to uh, what sparked this topic of conversation uh, when we stopped at a gas station to pick up food and Ed decided to get a piece of pizza and struggled with the pizza cutter. You know, in my defense, no, first of all, it wasn't pizza cutter. It was the spatula that they used. Oh. But in my defense, that pizza was cut terribly. They you, look, if you if you work at a deli and you serve pizzas and people can take them out slice by slice and buy them at like at gas stations, cut the goddamn crust. How hard is it? So that led us that led us to a conversation where we talked about the difficulty of the pizza encounter. Didn't help that my uh, my my ribs are still all busted up and I had stuff on my other hand. That's normally a one handed job. God <laughs> so, damn it. So we we're talking about how, you know, oh, well, clearly the person who made the pizza failed their check to cut the pizza properly. And Ed had no, to take a couple of, of re-rolls I was in, I was to, in, to, to, to grapple the pizza, um, which let, which kind of led us to talking about about difficulty checks uh the difficulty scores and challenges and ratings that you have to reach in order to achieve your goals and how we feel like they're often misrepresented in games you know for having people do things like you have to roll to take a slice of pizza off of the pizza or you have to roll to cross the street or you have to roll to purchase an item at the store um talking about not only those making rolls where you shouldn't have to um also having roles that are more difficult than they need to be, and also for DMs that are allowing roles when they shouldn't be, uh, either shouldn't be needing them or shouldn't be even allowing them. So we thought we'd talk about those for a little while, discuss how you can think about how your difficulty affects your game, yeah. and maybe what you can do to tweak your own style to kind of to bring that in line. So clearly... There are examples in you, real if life. If you start talking about pizza, I'm going to slap you. I'm just saying there are examples in real life where those sorts of situations come in. Yes, I was failing in that endeavor. But I would think if you're running a group for games or for a game for gamers, that sort of thing, you should avoid those sorts of things most of the time. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, in the game of life, you might be able to roll a one uh pulling one slice of pizza out from uh, many. Uh, but in a, a role-playing world, that's just no fun. Well, also, you said yours was a, a weird situation where, like, the, the pizza wasn't cut correctly. You had things oh, penalties. Right. I had a lot yeah. of negatives. Yeah, you I had, had, a, you had lot. a lot of penalties. So, like... First, if, of all, the, first of all, the item was not properly, uh, I guess, prepared. Yeah. And so, then so Ed was I working with low-quality tools. I, so I was only working with one hand He's and I was suffering an injury offhanded. He had wound penalties Ed does not have an amazing dex to begin with. <laughs> so I would say for that sort of example, like if the DM was like, you know what? I really want to make them roll, even though they shouldn't have to 
but there's a reason why your, your ribs right. are cracked. You got things in your hand. And I know as the DM that this pizza wasn't cut properly. So even though normally you shouldn't have to roll, I'm going to make you roll. See, I don't want to gonna... analyze this too much. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Because... I'm, I'm, if, if we're going to analyze this, I'm going to keep analyzing and I'm going to keep analyzing along the lines of I'm countering this as, as a DM, it doesn't, matter to the story whether or not ed gets his slice of meat lovers pizza i was just using that as a metaphorical it's not situation like ed is starving and needs to get the food nor is it like if he eats that meat flavors pizza it's like popeye spinach and he can now save the day whether or not ed has the pizza doesn't affect the story so why do we need to roll for it and in the end i had it anyway right <laughs> yeah yeah, again, I was just using that as a, you know an example of like if you really want to make your player roll a roll for whatever the situation. I'm not saying you should, but if you really need to, yeah. you know, then you know, it makes sure it makes sense. Like, you know, okay, well, in that situation, he had a lot of penalties or negatives working against him to make him actually quote unquote need a roll. Now let's now let's put it in another perspective though. If you're playing in a game and you say, okay, my character's going to go grab some things, and then you the GM says, okay, roll. Why? The question would be, what am I rolling for? Why am I rolling? Yeah, I'm just getting some stuff. Uh, I'm just getting some stuff. I'm getting some supplies or or gear or or whatever it is I'm getting. I personally wouldn't ever make anyone roll for getting pizza. I was just using that example like, okay, well. No, and I'm compounding on that. I'm compounding on that. What I'm saying is, if you're going to make someone make that roll, just keep in mind that it's going to be as irritating to them as if they were trying to pull a slice of pizza out of a fully prepared (laughs) pizza and the uh, crust was not properly cut and how difficult that's going to be using one hand uh, with hurt ribs and time consuming. Yeah. And time consuming. It's just frustrating. It's not that I made and I didn't make a mess. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get anything other than grumpy, you know, I just, and I, I I got my pizza. I think you might have <laughs> no, uh, uh, but so it was just a waste of time. It, it was a waste of time. You know, it wasted more time than it needed to be, and that's really know. what it comes down to. Yes, we all have those moments in our life, and sometimes you want to make things a little bit fun or a little bit realistic, I guess. But just keep in mind that it is. Uh, it, it, some people might view it as a waste of time, or maybe you're doing something against their character. Like, you know, you want them to fail at a mundane task for some reason, you know? Yeah. Okay. Maybe there is a greater plot going on. And the, the pizza cutter was actually not the person who's always there making the, making the pizzas. They were actually the assassin who killed the person and I failed to uncover the plot line. That could be it. But, you know, more than likely, they're just going to find that as, you know, sort of kind of irritating, you know, oh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jog across the street. OK, roll a roll a check. Why? Like, it's a flat street, right? I want to go across the flat part. Yeah, it's a flat street. Are there cars? Eh, not really. No, you're not. Why am I rolling a die? <laughs> well, this also came up in the discussion of that because White Wolf uh, the White Wolf system uses uh, a dice pool, and you're rolling D10. That's right. however many is in your dice pool. And each one that comes up at or above the target number is considered a success. And they have examples of the difficulties. And I remember one of the diff- books has difficulty two is running on a flat surface. So you, Yeah, running, not just jogging or walking, running. Right. So you actually have to get up to the point where you're actually trying to run in order to get to that. Well, you need to roll a two or higher to succeed so you can have difficulty roles for the lower level things but they should also be at insanely easy difficulty yeah 
And in I now one of the things that I brought up, and one of the reasons I brought this up wasn't just because of the pizza, but it was because I do feel like sometimes in gaming, uh, a lot of uh, GMs will. Uh, consider a difficulty for a task to be a little bit more difficult than it should, or a little easier than it should be, or more difficult than it should yeah, be in some I in some cases. The case most of the time, like a lot of times when when the GM wants someone to roll to do something that they should be able to get, but they want to roll, they'll say DC fifteen instead of DC ten. If they should be able to get it most of the time, but you just want them to roll because there's a slight chance they'll fail, that means that it's just a normal everyday thing that they're doing. That's a 10. That's a 10, folks. That's not a 15. Yeah, uh, or even you know, lower. If it's very easy, something that they could really only fail if they just absolutely aren't skilled at it, you know, would be like a DC five, like jumping across a, a three to five foot chasm. Okay, well, the athletic, the athletic fighter is never going to fail that role because they're going to have ranks and they're going to have athletics and they're going to have a decent strength. So they're never going to fail that role, uh, you know, but maybe if you have, you know, a wizard with no real physical skills and no athletics and doesn't have any spells that can help him get across it. If he actually tried to do that, there's a very slight chance they might not do it. You know, and even then, I wouldn't say he doesn't jump across the three to five foot chasm because let's be honest, we're, we're it's it's three to five feet. Any you know, any person with functioning legs can do that. And I do apologize to any listeners who might not have functioning legs, uh, but we you know, we can, you know, yes, that's just a thing you can do is, is hop across that. You might need a little bit more of a, a jogging start to get there, but you can hop across that. But maybe if they fail, don't say, oh, well, you fall down the chasm and die because that's just silly. Maybe just, you know, have them take a D4 points of damage. OK, well, you made it across, but you rolled your ankle, you know, or you smacked your shin. You didn't you didn't time it right. I think, Jerry, you mentioned didn't time it right. So you smack your shin on the opposite side of the chasm kind of hurts. Take a D4 points of damage. Or you could just have it. You, um, it wouldn't work for for the jumping across the chasm. But I was thinking like, you know, a difficulty five for like looking up a book in the library. You got to look it up in the yeah. card catalog, find it on the shelf. And it's just if you fail, maybe it just takes you a lot more time. You have to ask the librarian for help. Yeah, you know. it's 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 one of those things. Like if 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 a player is looking up just just that example if like a wizard is looking up a book in a library or anyone is looking up a book in a library libraries are always categorized or cataloged that's the whole point of it being there no, no matter what system they use there's a, there's a catalog system okay if you are looking for a book then as a, or your player as a gm all you have to decide is is it there if it is you know, and, and they roll and, you know, you decide to make them roll. That's fine. Just like you said, maybe it takes them more time to find it than they should have, you know, but you're, you're not making them to roll to see if it's there. You're just making them a roll to see how much time it takes for them to find it. And that's that's perfectly acceptable. But just keep in mind that, you know, if if, if you roll to find a book that is categorized in a library, that should be a low roll because it's something that they have there now if your players are pressed for time you can say yeah. you can make a dc5 uh intelligence check to try to look it up in the card catalog or you can try for a dc20 intelligence intelligence or wisdom to see if you remember seeing it before and know right where it is which if say this is the book that has the counter ritual to the great thing that's swooping down on the city, yeah. then maybe shaving off those, the time it takes to find the book could be very useful. 
and keep in mind, we're not, I'm not talking about, you know, you found, uh, uh, some notes from a mage stating that the black grimoire of, uh, undeath is hidden somewhere in this library. That's not what we're talking about. It's not like you're trying to find a hidden thing. You're literally just trying to find a book on a shelf. Oh, we need, you know, yeah, we need Balin's tome on magical beasts. Oh, I, I, when I was going through conjuring school, I remember having to, to do a report on that. I've read that book. Where is it? Yeah. Um, I think a really important question the DM should ask themselves before they even get into any of this is why, or is it important? You know what I mean? Like, is there a reason why things might change if it takes them longer to find the book? You know, if I walk in and you're like, okay, well, normally it would be a DC five. You have a plus two to this. So you're only going to make it on a, you have to roll at least a three to make it. So there's a, you know, a small chance for you to fail, but the result is just going to be, it's going to take longer for you to find the book. Is it really even worth making them roll it? Like what changes? Like, okay, now you have to go get the librarian to, to assist you with finding the book because you're having trouble finding it. And then you find out that the librarian is actually like a harpy in disguise. Okay. That there's a reason now for me to make this roll. Sure. If it, all it does is make me go of um, bug the librarian. Who's a normal person. And it's just going to go, Oh honey, it's in row this aisle section over here. And that's it. You have a little mini interaction with a, a random NPC that you're never going to need to talk to or get no information from yeah. other than finding this book. Why are you making me, <clears throat> excuse me, why are you making me roll this? Just tell me where the freaking book is. Yeah. The only, the only reason for the rolls, uh, as we'd mentioned would be like flavor. Like, okay, so you rolled, you failed. I rolled 2d10. This is how many minutes it takes you to find the book instead of being able to just find it. Yeah. You know? And again, and, and which is and again, fine, again, all of but, this, all of this kind of sources off of, you know, talking about, about making rolls for things that should be ridiculously easy. Right. Exactly. Things you shouldn't have to roll for. Right. And again, um, so like should, my personal point of view is, you know, Every second spent at the table in a perfect world is going to be entertaining and fun and moving toward, you know, moving the plot line. So for every time you make me roll an unnecessary roll is taking away from that. So if I go into the library to find a book and I need this book, it's really important, but there's no consequences to me failing this role. Don't make me make the role. Just don't do it. Like, especially like I understand that, you know, there's, there's a, still might be a chance for failure for certain roles for certain characters, even if it's an easy task and the DC is five, but eventually once you get to certain levels, like your proficiency bonus alone is going to be like plus five, you know? So there's no reason to even make, consider making me roll an easy roll. You know, I should never have to roll anything that takes, it has a DC five. Once I, my proficiency bonus is like plus four or plus, especially plus five, I can't fail if I can roll a one you know, and still make it with a plus four. If I have a plus three, which is at level five, I have a plus three, you know, in um, you know, fifth edition D and D that means I'm only failing on a one. I'm only failing on a one with a plus three. I have, you know, I roll a two and boom, I hit it. So right. only should really only be having to make people make those rolls if, even for fun or for flavor or for whatever the case is between like levels one and four, maybe fifth level and up. I personally, when you like, if, if, if the DC is five for whatever reason, just don't even bother. Just, I'm sorry. Just and don't. I, and there's also, you should come into play, especially at the higher levels. Uh, let's say you have a wall that's DC 10 and the rogue says, I want to climb it. 
and okay, well, you've got a dex of plus five and a proficiency of plus three, and you've got these boots of climbing that give you a plus three. So you have a plus 11 to climb and it's a difficulty 10. No, you don't have to roll. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if anyone has a modifier that even on a one makes them succeed, you're not making them roll just like, yeah, you succeed. And on, and really, in my opinion, in that kind of situation, if they could fail on a one, but they succeed on a two, I probably wouldn't even make them roll it then. You know, like, what's your modifier? I have a plus eight. Okay, you just, you're up the wall. It's fine. Right. Just do it. You know, because that's also, like, if your character is built to have that kind of modifier for doing that sort of thing, that's what they're built to do. Right. They shouldn't be failing it, you know, because, again, if, it, if the DC is 10, that means average person should have an average, shouldn't have, diff, you know, the average person should be able to do it more often than not. Exactly. Yeah. The average person should be able to do it. And we're talking about heroes and champions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's a, a champion. Yeah. Should be you know, easy for you them. Know, it's a hero and a champion and not only just a hero and a champion, but I'm the th- acrobatic thief that specializes with the forte of climbing walls and walking tight ropes. Right. I'm going to just walk right up this wall if you don't mind. You know, so those are kind of the situations where I would like be avoiding the roles where people sometimes allow roles that shouldn't be made. Jerry, I think you had a specific example oh, you were mentioning I, earlier. I have a huge rant when it comes to allowing roles that shouldn't be made. Um, I do a lot of a lot of time online reading, you know, RPG stuff and other people's games and theory crafting and all that. One of my personal peeves uh, is the general belief on the internet that a natural twenty will allow you to do just about anything. And before you um, even elaborate, I would like to jump in because again, I played with uh, an amateur DM uh, for the first time last night. I'm not calling out names. I'm not picking on anyone, but as a group, I heard this several times last night during skill checks. Natural one and natural twenties mean nothing during skill checks. Mean nothing during save throws. There, that's specifically for combat. You you would want to clarify with your group if they have a house rule that says different, right? Which I did ask them about. Yeah. So just did, for it, our it, listeners, yeah, it, yeah. So yeah, for our listeners, I did clarify that there was no house rule, but everyone kept going. Oh, I got a natural twenty on this skill check, so I do it. They just were telling the DM that they did it because they rolled a natural twenty. Doesn't mean anything. DC right. could be thirty. You don't know. So, yeah. So, but also there's the, the belief, because if, if you allow a natural 20 to do anything, then you've given any event a 5% chance of success, which means as a level one character, you could walk up to the king and say, hey, you could you should hand your kingdom over to me. And if you let them roll and they roll the 20. Oh, well, I guess you have a kingdom now as a level one character. Instead, I think that's a situation where, again, you shouldn't be rolling because the difficulty should be so insanely high to talk the king into turning over their kingdom um, to talk the god into committing suicide or or even bowing down to you yeah i don't know if we've covered that in any previous uh, in any previous uh episodes or not but i mean just i just want to quickly make a mention that in my personal opinion the whole talking someone into doing something that's completely and totally ridiculous i don't let that stuff slide typically in my games like you can't tell me to slip my throat i don't care how good you rolled you can't tell me to hand over my kingdom i'm never going to do that ever period i'm not just going to hand you my kingdom i'm, I'm going to throw a caveat on that you can't for example i'm thinking you can't talk somebody into suicide unless they're already to some level of suicidal or there's actually 
reasonable reason they should be committing suicide. Um, I'm specifically thinking of the climax of the first Mass Effect video game where you can talk one of the bosses into killing themselves, yeah. but only through a very specific yeah. sequence as long as certain conditions were already fulfilled. So there are cases where there's some outlandish things you may be able to do, but it should make sense internally. It should be foreshadowed or there should be some sort of buildup to it. Yeah, but, it's but like yeah, the whole out, of, out of the blue saying, yeah. hey, Jared, you should slit your throat. I don't expect you to go find a knife and, and yeah. do it. It's like the example of, I think it's one of your stories, Jerry, where the whole like, you know, uh, like what was it? You're a bear or something like that. Like there was something like they're an animal and they're like, no, I'm a person. Oh, you're a person. Oh, um, the story of Sir Barrington. Yeah, it was. It's an online thing where it's somebody made a bear, convinced their DM to let them play a bear. They chose rogue. They put all their points into disguise and bluff and all that, and they just kept outrolling the NPCs. So all the NPCs reacted as if this person was a person and not a bear until they finally wound up the one person who said, "No, it's a bear," and got hauled away for being insane for insulting Sir Barrington, Duke of the Kingdom. Yeah, see, so it's like it's like in my opinion, like I don't care how well like you you have convinced me. Me that you believe you are a bear i mean that you are a human but i can clearly see that you are a fucking bear <laughs> i don't care how well you bluffed to me how well you lied unless you have some you know and again you know like there's always although i would be impressed at the bear's communication skill if the bear somehow managed right. to convince you that the bear believes that they are human but but still i mean you get where i'm coming from like the whole like i don't care what your bluff check is this is not happening period but that's just me, and that's just a personal preference. I'll yeah, you- I, it, it it's just one of those. It's it's your GM as a GM. You have the responsibility to make sure everything sort of makes sense if that's what you're going for. Um, and yeah, when you have someone trying to attempt the impossible, you know when it should when they say I want to convince the king to give me over all the keys of the kingdom, you know that should be about as impossible as saying okay, well. Uh, I know I can swim in water, so I'm just going to try to do it in air. So if I roll high enough swim check, I can fly, right? Right. And I'm not saying I'm not going to let you make the roll. And I'm not saying I'm not going to let you plead your case. But I'm just going to tell you that unless you astound me with your argument and it somehow actually makes sense to me in some weird like way. But this is not having to come from a roll like... There is no way that that's happening. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and it should also be nigh impossible. You know, I mean, the... At least in at least in the D twenty systems, they have the different DCs and sort of you know ten supposed to be normal, fifteen you know uh, a little slightly difficult, twenty difficult you know, and then goes twenty five thirty that sort of thing. Like I'd put that at a forty. Like, do you have a plus twenty to your skill? Well, the problem you know, is it, like in yeah. fifth edition, I don't think that's really possible. Yeah. Probably because you know. You well, you also have to know your system because I know in Path, right. I know in Pathfinder, I was gonna say, I've encountered guys who at level one had a plus eighteen to block. Yeah, I was gonna say in three point five. So then you make it like a, diff, you a DC hundred. Right, exactly. I was gonna say you're gonna have to make it way higher in three point five in Pathfinder, but in fifth edition, yeah, plus twenty. Woo! That was actually a fun rule from fourth edition that I really liked um, regarding critical hits. If you rolled an attack and rolled a natural twenty, you compared it. You added your modifiers and compared it to the target's defense. If 20 plus all of your modifiers was enough to hit the target, it was a critical hit, and you followed the critical hit rules. If 20 plus all of your modifiers was still not enough to hit the target, then it would be considered a normal hit. 
Yeah, I kind of. So like you that. could have somebody throw a javelin at a god, roll a natural twenty, and get a normal hit. Right. So that way you could have the person you defiant up against the big bad guy, and maybe actually have a chance right. to maybe do like a little bit of damage to him. You know, and these are you're up against enemies that might have hit points in the thousands, and you're doing like a d six. Right, yeah, and again, I, I I like the concept of that. I get the the, the Plus quirks of bonus. it, but you know, I I do prefer fifth edition, just trying to streamline and just simplify yeah. everything, like unnecessary. You know, like let's just take unnecessary math out of it. Yeah, this to me, this all stemmed sort of. Uh, I just remember some some sort of recent gaming situations, nothing specific, but just uh, in er- in area where I felt like okay. I'm rolling too often. And I know you have a story about rolling too often for something, but also another area where I'm like thinking to myself, okay, I know the GM thinks that what he's giving me is a, of a DC 15 for this check is a normal check, but he's wrong. And I think a lot of GMs now, again, this is just our opinion, uh, but I think in a lot of GMs might think, okay, well, I want them to be able to succeed at this, but give them a slight chance of failure. So DC 15, that's, the wrong way to do it. If you, if, if you want to give them that, you know, more than likely a success, but they might fail. That is a 10. That's a normal everyday rolls 10. If it should be a little difficult for them, that's when it's a 15, you know, um, and it's okay to go between 10 and 15. You don't have to round yeah. by fives. You know? Yeah, you can do 12, there's, 13. There's plenty of DC challenges if you flip through the monster manual where it's like, okay, well, you know, to avoid this gaze attack, it's a DC 12 or 13 because it's intended to be a low level creature, but it's still a little bit more difficult than just your average roll. Yeah. I am. I am just using the multiples of five to make things easy. Yeah. Well, that's how they describe most difficulties in in the books. Yeah. But definitely feel free to modify those a little bit. But then they also give like, Oh, you can get a plus two from this or a minus one from that. But you know, my, my, my whole, my, my whole, I guess, deal with this. My whole point is, Oh, I do see a lot of times where GMs will, um, come up with an idea in their head. And my, my guideline when I do it is I come up with a number in my head and then I subtract five. Like, Oh, all right. I think I should do that. Maybe a DC, DC 15 on the, or DC 17 on this check. Uh, you know what? I'm thinking in my head that that's going to be perfectly good for them to succeed on and only maybe fail a little bit. No, I'm going to lower that. I'm going to make that a 12, you know, uh, make that check easier because I know if the, if they roll a two, they fail. If they roll it between a two and an eight, they fail. That's a huge margin of error. If you only have a plus five to succeed on something, that means it's what, like a 40, 45% chance you're going to fail one through nine, 45% chance you're going to fail. You only succeed on that 10 if it's a DC 15. So you really want to think of the percentage. What percentage chance of failure do I want them? I only want them to have like 20% chance of failure. Okay. Then the DC is really easy. Or I think that they should have like a 5% chance of failure. Well, that's a, they're going to need a really high number for that. You know, um, 5% chance of success. You mean? Uh, yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> 5% chance of success. You know, that means they're only going to get it on that 20, 20 plus their bonus is what they need, you know? Uh, and that's, those are extreme rules, but that's, you know, also things that are either extremely difficult or nearly impossible, that sort of thing. I had a, I had a game I was playing in once where everything, like in, including like attack rolls, like if I rolled anything less than a 17 or an 18, forget it. It wasn't worth my time. Um, and that can be extremely frustrating as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I want to bring up regarding as a player is 
kind of on the other side of that where uh, a DM should, in some cases, instead of saying no, determine the difficulty. Right. Um, I thought the story that you were going to bring up was he wanted to, it's a game I was playing in with Ed where he wanted to start raising troops. So he decided to go down to the local inn and, you know, like, I'm looking to defend the land. I want strong, able-bodied men who want to stand up and fight and, you know, gave you know, this rousing speech, like, at, in person at the table, like, this speech about it. And the DM said, nope, nobody's interested. Didn't even give him a chance to roll. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of shut down the moment. Yeah. And we've, we've mentioned that a couple of times, you know, just talking about things about... You know, you don't want to shut players down. Maybe it might be something impossible. Maybe these are, this may feel impossible. These peasants may be broken. They may have been under oppression for so long that they don't think that there's freedom left in the world. They may not want to fight. They may not think they have stand a chance if they can fight. But, you know, maybe somebody could come in with this inspirational speech and, you know, stand with me, fight with me. I'll lead us on. And the entire end kind of goes, no. But one guy goes, yeah, you know, maybe I'll give this guy a chance. Yeah. Because the player role awesome. Role playing versus role playing. We did a yeah. bit, but, yeah. um, you know, it's also, it's, it does come up here in difficulty classes. That oh, yeah, absolutely. A, a DM shouldn't just arbitrarily say uh, no when maybe there is a chance. Yeah, I mean, maybe you only get one follower out of it, but absolutely, there should be a chance. There should be, a, you know, or even if, again, even if you had to roll a 20 to get that one dude, you should have been able to make a roll. Or another way of looking at it is I have you make the roll and you roll well. So in my head as the GM, I'm thinking, you're not going to get anyone from this. But later on, you know, if something happens in this town, people come to your aid. They remember you. You made an impression. You know, that's another way to sort of look at it. You know, uh, I know uh, like in, in that scenario, I'm not sure that the GM was setting that up, but sometimes you could do that. And I actually had done that in a, a game I'd run once where a very um, charismatic person was trying to convince uh a number of ancient uh, enemies to sort of unite against a common threat. And he rolled very high and he got very little reward for it up front. He was not very happy with what he got with it up front. So I had to pull him aside as a, as a player. I mean, it was after the game. So it's not like I'm literally dragging him aside, but I pulled him aside and just said, Hey, just so you know, you know, just so you're not as disparaged about this. Uh, even though they're only giving you this now, that doesn't mean that you didn't open them up to more conversation in the future. You, I want you to think, I want you to be on the understanding that your character got a felt like, even though this prize isn't great right here, like, like you made more of an impact than this. And maybe there's potential for more discussion. I mean, you know, think about, you know, other, you know, storylines. There's, you always, there's always storylines where you're trying to convince people to do something and you have to go back to them multiple times. You know, it doesn't yeah, always or the happen. situation where like you did convince that one person, but they don't want the rest of the bar or tavern to know that you convinced them. So they right. wait till you they can pull you aside in private. Oh, hey, by the way, this yeah. is the information you were looking for. Or can I join your ranks? I just didn't want, you know, my brothers would would tease me for the rest of eternity if they knew. Yeah. You know, like so it might not always be an instant, you know, reaction to your or, your, or, your or you, role. Did, you did convince the five kings that they have to come, you know defeat the demon horde, but none of them wanted to admit that at the table. None of them wanted to be the first to say it. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Or just like, why, why should we go, you know, lose our men? Well, look, Gondor is calling for aid, right? They need our help. Well, 
and we'll answer the call. And they show up to be the big heroes later on. Or they're all willing to, but they don't want to be the only one. And so they're waiting for someone else to put their hand up and say, yeah, we'll do it. And, too. and you know what? You actually brought up a very good example of this uh, in that uh, in that uh, in that movie, in the Lord of the Rings, uh, Aragorn has uh, already spoken with uh, King Theoden uh, uh, more than once, I believe, about we need to help Gondor. And every time he talks to him, Theoden basically seems to brush him off and be like, we're not going there. But then what happens once that torch lights? They go because they know it's the right thing. And because Aragorn, even though it might seem like he was failing his checks because the king wasn't going he turned the king around to it and made him realize his duty. You know, he had to honor it. So that's, that's sort of a way you can use those checks. If they do roll high for something that you think might, should be maybe impossible, you know, let them maybe have that sense of failure, but then when it's down to the wire and stuff needs to happen, they do it and let them know in part, it's because you, you did so well, you know? And, um, you also mentioned references to role play, to our role playing versus role playing episode, um, which if any listeners haven't checked it out, is a lot of along the same topics. Uh, there was one other thing we brought up here that I think needs to be discussed a little bit, just briefly touched on. And that is the player influencing the difficulty. Right. You know, if a player stands up and gives a good speech at the table, then make it an easier difficulty or give them advantage yeah, on their role. Yeah. Or in your, whether they know it or not, give them some bonuses. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, he rolled a 12, but you know what? That was a plus three speech. So he yeah. hit the DC 15. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that will also encourage your characters or rather encourage your players if they're paying attention, they start noticing that, gee, when I stand here and go, hey, can we just look to see if anybody's willing to join us? We don't do so well. But when I say, well, Grabthar stands up on the, the bar and he's swinging his axe around and saying, we're going to fight these orcs. We're going to win. Who's going to stand with me and make our ancestors proud? I all of a sudden get a bunch of cheering troops ready to go. Well, maybe I should start acting that out, role playing out more. Right. Yeah, and that will stand out even more if they're they're both of them roll, and the one that rolls lower actually succeeds because they're the one that role played it. Yeah, you know, I rolled. That seems to be some sort of rewarding behavior. I wonder if we'll ever <laughs> touch on that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, if you know one guy just like, uh, yeah, I want to see if anyone in the bar wants to join me. Okay, I rolled a, a fourteen. Okay, uh, and then the other character is like, I'm going to give it a shot. You know, the bar jumps up and you know starts playing some music and gives a huge rousing speech and sadly rolls really poorly and with all his bonuses only gets a twelve but still succeeds. Then that's going to show everyone to their face like, oh well, he put the extra effort in. He might have rolled lower, but he he actually still succeeded. That bard song is right. Freedom isn't free. <laughs> uh, another thing that sort of sparked this, at least in my head, um, was uh, perception rolls. It's another one of those roles that I feel like is used a little too often. Yes, they're necessary. Yes, they're a part of the game for a reason. But if you're the GM and the players are walking into a room and you want them to see the thing, they just see the thing. If you if you have something hidden or something they have to figure out, yeah, roll your perception or investigation. But if there's, you know, you don't you don't roll perception to see the ominously cloaked dude next to the, you know, fire pit. How many doors? He's, are, he's just there. How many doors are in the room? Well, roll perception. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's another like no, I like in, in my head every time the GM does that, I'm like no. How many doors are there? Yes. <laughs> I'm not rolling for this. <laughs> Another thing too, especially with fifth edition and Pathfinder, I believe also has passive perception. Yes, they do. Um, yep. 
is yeah the fact that they, like, you have a per- passive perception trait like yeah. if you know you know what they just naturally see all the time they're just aware of their surroundings with x yeah. stat you if know a, i've actually been, thing, play, been playing around a little bit with having i have as a dm all of my players passive perceptions and if i tell them make a perception check and it's lower than their passive perception they use their passive perception instead I I think my point is if it if there's a thing and it's obvious you don't roll for right. it no yeah. no, no I you know there's no point to it now yeah, I guess I you know you could roll a perception check if you see you know uh, roughly a dozen orcs in a room and you look in real quick and then look out and someone asks how many there were you know if you want to know how many there were maybe the that's why you make them roll perception to see how accurate that is maybe they roll really low so you're like yeah there was at least five or six you know or they roll really well and you're like yeah there was exactly 14 you know that's that's an option giving them that to give them that more information certainly do that but just were there orcs in the room? Uh, roll perception. Why? Were there freaking orcs in the room? Like, well, were they orcs? Were they half orcs? Were they orgs? Were they hobgoblins? <laughs> yeah, when I was playing with that uh, amateur group last night, I don't know how many times the I heard make a perception check, and one of the players had a really high passive perception. I don't know all the details of his stat sheet, but I know that he kept rolling low yeah. and going, well, can I just use my passive? Like, but I have a passive perception of 18. Well, what'd you get? Like, well, I only got a 13. Can I just use my passive perception? I heard that so often. And you said that you're making that kind of like an unofficial house rule kind of thing for your playing. My personal opinion is no. Right. Sorry. Like your passive perception is your you're aware of your surroundings. Like people don't sneak up on you, but right. if you're actively looking for blah and you don't see it, sorry, you didn't see it, man. Like, yeah. you know, cause there's a difference between noticing a bush wiggle in the background with a tail sticking out and you trying to look across the horizon to see, you know, if there's a ship, you know what I mean? Like right. it's kind of two different awarenesses. And when you know, there's a ship or there's not, there's no real true. There's not no, yeah, necessarily you know, that's, a, that's probably a poor example. I was going to you know, men, like you know if there's you know like the if you can see the logo on the ship from you know yeah okay yeah or the make and model the ship when you get more specific the role makes more sense but just hey is there a ship on the lake while i'm looking at the lake is there a ship yeah. You know, so, but again, you know, like, again, it's, it's not called, that you see. Yeah. It's called <laughs> passive perception for right. a reason, you know, as opposed to active, you know, when you're rolling, that's an active perception check yeah. as opposed to a passive perception. Check. I mean, I think there's an argument there, but I, 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 I like both sides of it. Either you're, if you're looking for something, you roll it, but at the same time, you know, when your character's looking around for things, um, then, you know, maybe they do just casually notice a thing because they have an 18 perception. Oh, well, I didn't find what I was looking for, but hey, this uh, golden letter opener looks nice. I think I'll stash yeah, that. Yeah, but that's, again, you know, in certain situations, you should be rolling investigation and not perception. You know what I no, mean? No, that's like, true, too. For searching, you know what that's I mean? That's true, too. Um, um, an- another sort of example that I wanted to bring up is sometimes there is no need for a role, not just because it's so easy or so hard. Maybe someone's role playing through it. So keep that in mind. There's not always a need for a role. Uh, one, the reason I bring this up is I was actually just recently in a game where there was a trap and a puzzle and I was trying, I'm playing a super genius character. So I was trying to think my way through it and do all of these things. And I really wanted to role play my way through solving the puzzle because I had an idea what was going on, but I, I didn't, I didn't know the specifics, but I want to try to figure it out. Right. Um, but before we had done it, when we all entered the room, everyone had rolled a perception and I rolled a four. Okay. So it was very bad. Um, 
But as I'm trying to figure out this puzzle, and this is in a hero's game, um, I'm doing all of the right things, but I didn't notice the thing that the other person who rolled high noticed. So in this specific puzzle, there was, uh, there was a mirror, and uh, even though there wasn't, uh, the, there was no chest in the room, you could see it in the mirror, and the idea was you're trying to get the object from the chest. So I'm going through all of these things, and I'm literally t- telling the GM I want to manipulate the chest and see if I can try to open it, that sort of thing. And because I rolled a low perception, he said that what I didn't notice, but what somebody else did was that my hand is, even though it's passing through air in my reality, the, my reflection, it's actually stopping on the chest. And I didn't say anything at the time, but in my head, I'm like, why wouldn't I notice that? I'm watching myself do this thing. Why wouldn't I see that? You know, but you know, not to take away from perception or any role, certainly there's points where that's uh, necessary to roll, or maybe there's specifics you didn't see. There was later a specific that I didn't see, which, okay, maybe I noticed my hand isn't going through the chest in the mirror, but maybe the person who rolled really high noticed the other specific of the guy in the mirror isn't doing exactly what I'm doing. Close, but not exactly. So it's not a true reflection, which was part of the secret of the of the trap, which was a really, I thought it was a really awesome, well, puzzle. And I thought it was a really awesome puzzle, but that was just the one little thing sort of kind of kind of like, I didn't even notice my hand in the mirror wasn't passing through the chest. And I felt like that's a detail that you don't roll on. That's obvious. I'm swinging it out here, but over there it's stopping. I'm going to notice that. Yeah. I think another, I know we got to wrap up real quick. Um, but another thing that I've been wanting to say, uh, is I think in addition to forcing us to roll when we shouldn't be rolling, another big mistake is forcing us to roll the wrong skill or the wrong check. Right. I think that it's not as common a problem and this is you know typically with uh you know less experienced DMs but I see it with even like more experienced or you know intermediate level uh, GMs and DMs is just in my in I, sometimes it's subjective so like my opinion might be different from your opinion but but there is a very you know the books typically ver- are very clear about what's rolled when right yeah. you know so just know your material is like you know you're asking me to roll x when i really in my opinion or by fact by book i could even you know, if i wanted to be the rules lawyer i could pull out the book and go you're making me this is what i should be rolling y not x stop making me roll x i'm not good at x i'm clearly trying to do y because i'm good at y i want to roll y stop making me roll freaking x man like, like an like an <laughs> acrobatics roll to climb a wall Right, exactly. Yeah, acrobatics and athletics are two commonly mixed up stat, um, right. skills. Very probably the two most common. So that's a perfect example. Or Another perception, one is perception investigation. investigation. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, you know, that's what retriggered my th- my thought on it. I had it earlier also. But. Yeah, I, had a, I had a specific example of that in World of Darkness where I thought I had to do. I was planning on doing uh, intelligence medicine um, because we were working to to inject a tranquilizer into a. a rampaging werewolf and i'm like oh intelligence and medicine because i've studied and it's medication and all that and the dm said no you're rolling wits in a cult wits because you have to do it on the fly you can't sit down and figure it out within your intelligence and a cult because you're trying to figure out a werewolf's metabolism 
So I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, in, in some cases, well, a different I, role I, could make sense. Yeah, I was going to say, in so, that situation, like, I, I get how he's trying to justify it, but I might, you know, in that situation, because I've played, you know, some White Wolf stuff, I've reproposed other skill options to the, the right. GM and be like, well, I have this and this, and I have studied this and have, you know, background in medicine. Could I maybe roll intelligence right. in medicine and, you know, see what happens? You know, like, well this might be a werewolf and they might have a different metabolism, but I can base it like, you know, use an educated guess, which is intelligence in my personal opinion and say, well, if, if it was a human of this approximate size and weight, knowing that they're, you know, uh, and they're also a conditioned athlete, therefore with a higher heart rate or a lower heart rate, you know, higher heart rate, whatever the situation may be, blah, 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 blah. blah. Jared is not a medical professional. <laughs> Well, yeah, they would have a lower resting heart rate. Yes. Um, uh, anyways, uh, but yes, another example I wanted to, I had, and then I wanted to throw out there, and then I think I might have forgot it. The crossing over of knowledges, perhaps. People say, well, I don't have arcana, but I do have history. Can I use that instead? That's, yeah, yeah. Mixing up knowledges is definitely one, especially when it comes to, I'm okay like, with mixing knowledges if it makes sense. If it makes sense. But make yeah. the difficulty on the, on the knowledge that is less likely harder. So, like, if you're trying to think up, like, like a demon god, then maybe maybe you decide that the primary role is Arcana because it's demon, but it's also a god, so religion should work. Then maybe the 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 knowledge uh, for Arcana is a twenty, but the knowledge uh, for religion would be like a twenty-five. So like it's something even, that you could figure out, and maybe even history. 35 oh right there was an ancient cult that right rampaged across the land that followed this right yeah. or you know you could really tie any 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 real knowledge into that you could uh back when they i mean i know fifth edition didn't have any more so much but like geography i guess fifth for fifth nature maybe there was an event that shaped nature you know shaped some sort of geography or some local area that was also tied to it you know maybe there was uh, uh this 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 or that you know throwing all the knowledges in there I think I, I can understand mixing that to an extent, but you just make it a little bit more difficult. If right. It's yeah. More I mean, you can play with that. Um, yeah. The, the one that I was trying to think of was actually, I think insight is misused and underused. I, I know a lot of people. Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, well, can I get the, can I roll an intelligence check to see if this guy seems like he's, you know, like really on my side? No, it's not an intelligence check. It's no, an it's insight. insight check. Well, you know, and I, I hear that a lot and it frustrates me a lot. Cause like I specifically as a, as a player insights, one of my favorite skills to take. And can I roll an insight to, check to see if you, if he's lying to me, you, he believes he's telling you the truth. Mm is a wonderful one because he may be lying, but he may be working off bad information. That's true. Right. Yeah. There's, there's always that option. Now, the one thing I do like about fifth though, is exchanging the, uh, uh, ability scores for the skill. So I agree with you completely. If you're trying to find out someone's intentions, you think they're hiding them, then it's insight, but insight is based off of wisdom, but it doesn't always have to be wisdom. It, you, you might be an intelligent character and you're sort of analyzing their facial tics, doing that sort of thing and saying, hey, based on this information, you I've know, studied body language. Right. This guy's giving off all the wrong stuff. I, I, I want to <laughs> study his body language. I want to, you know, me. I want to. Yeah, I want to listen to the tone of his voice, you know, uh, yeah. uh, that sort of see if he's blushing or. Yeah, you know, and that's definitely if a cool he's got thing physical with physical tics. Where it's like, you know, it's can I do an insight off intelligence? Right. It's typically this, but it can be that this, this, there, the other yeah. thing. That's definitely a great thing where like 
it's i mean obviously dms and gms have always been allowed to do whatever they want but just kind of like giving them permission and like throwing that idea out there like you know this doesn't always fall under wisdom right you know sometimes it's okay to take advantage of these others you know or in other situations especially like with tools tools are not dedicated to an ability score at all exactly but in different situations you can give them their ability you know like thieves tools you're literally just proficient with thieves tools yeah the gm has to decide which which okay well you're picking a lock so probably dexterity yeah picking a lock dexterity sure or maybe you're an intelligence based character oh you're circumventing an alarm system intelligence yeah i mean i mean deadlands has it right in the book when they're talking about skills you know they they talk about how strength is based off of climbing or climbing is based off of your strength score but if you're trying to make a check that says how much do you know about climbing then you're doing an intelligence based climbing role um and so stuff like that can apply to any game and the GM has the say at the table to say, this is the role that you need to make. This is the difficulty or no, there's no role. Yeah. The GM, the, the GM can do whatever they want. I know we've covered a lot of, uh, uh, maybe sometimes it's not necessary or maybe sometimes it's impossible or maybe it should be this and not that. Um, definitely keep in mind if the GM says roll, just roll. Uh, we're just, of course, just trying to give these tips for, Hey, maybe you don't have to roll all night. And, and also if you disagree with your DM or with your players, be an adult, talk about it. I think that this is, I think I should be able to do X because of Y. And if they say no, let it go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're all adults yeah. unless we're po- teenagers. Pose a, you know, a civil, you know, countered uh, argument and if it's shut down and you want to continue the discussion, do it outside the game. And just trust the people you're playing with. Communicate. Have fun. Yeah. Um, My legit final note, uh, because I have to say this, if I don't, I'll hate myself, is on the uh, elaborating on your guys' knowledge is the conversation you had earlier. Just because you make a knowledge check uh, on specifically, let's say, a monster does not mean you know the exact stat block of the monster out of the monster manual. Please do not read me the exact stop block stat block out of the monster manual if you tell me that i'm going to groan at you if i'm the dm and you expect that from me i'm going to groan at you yeah it is not how it works i will tell you what you know depending on your role you know you know and you might know more you might know less depending on your role depending on your background you know there's there's a lot of variables to that situation but i'm not going to tell you strength 18 dex 10 constitution 12 it knows this language it knows that language it's worth this much xp you're not getting the stat block from my mouth if somebody brings me this brings up the stat block with me as the dm then all those numbers suddenly go up i i encourage i encourage the players if they if they roll um their knowledge check and they, they succeed. I, I, I know we've all done this where, okay, you get like one or two or three questions to ask me about the creature. But what I encourage them to do is, is just ask me, what do I know about it? And I'll say, okay, well, uh, you know about this trait and this trait and this trait, you know, you know about these things, you know, maybe some less obvious thing. I mean, obviously everyone knows dragon powerful breathes, you know breath weapon well like but, uh, in the the last game that were you know you rolled a couple of rolls for me you know what i mean you're like what do i know and then you know i'm like well you know this 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 and this and you're like well, do, you know, and as a player out at a game you're like do i rolled really well do i know about this exactly do like, i know this thing yeah and, like and uh, i think in one circumstance you were like yes you know that but another one you weren't and i'm yeah. like okay great i don't know yeah, about exactly that. you know um and then depending on how high they roll i guess uh, oh, Jared's, Jared's been giving me the eyes, so it looks like we're going to be wrapping up. But we've got to go in for a marathon session here. M- I guess. Maybe, maybe if they do roll very high, you can say, "Okay, you can say, okay, you know, you know what's in the book." 
you know, you can, you can say, yeah, you can, you can flip it open. You know, what's in there. You know, if it's a DC 15 and they rolled a 25, you can be like, oh, sure. You, you know, what's in there. Not a problem, but it's up to you, Jerry. So we'll wrap it up. Yes. I don't want to trigger any more rants or discussions. So we'll just say if you would like to discuss. Oh, by the way, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Definitely feel free to get in touch with us on a, we've got our message boards, gamemasterstudio.probeboards.com. We do talk to you fans on Twitter. We are there as GMS studios and we are on Facebook. You can like comment, subscribe. We have discussions on there as well. We're here with new shows every week and we'll see you the next time we're back in the studio, assuming we roll well enough to open the door.